So years ago, when the iPhone first came out, I got the iPhone, and this is like way back in the day, and I'm kind of like an early adopter when it comes to technology. I love technology, and sometimes it gets me in trouble because back in the day when the iPhone first came out, they had some kind of GPS system, but it was nothing like you and I know today. It was horrific. It was terrible. There was no Siri. Like, no one talked to you, and no one, you know, would tell you, okay, at the light, make a left onto, and I love the way Siri pronounces the names around here. It's like, make a left onto Nekanit Highway and head toward Ronkonkoma. You know, it's like, okay there, bud. But um, there was no Siri. There was no, like, turn-by-turn directions. You followed a blue dot. And so if I'm supposed to go that way, there was a blue dot just a little bit ahead of me. And then if I was supposed to turn, the blue dot would turn left just a little bit ahead of me. So my wife and I are out at a wedding in Port Jeff, and we were supposed to go to the reception in Nassau County, just over the Suffolk-Nassau border. And so we're out there, and we leave, and we're following the blue dot. And we're driving and driving. And I mean, Port Jeff to Nassau is a little bit of a hike, but it shouldn't take that long. So we're driving and driving. And, and eventually, um, Kelly's like, "Hun, I think we messed this up. Like, I feel like we missed something, or we should probably figure out what we're doing. So she calls her parents, who are at the reception. She's like, we've been here like a half hour. Where are you guys? And so I'm like, we're following the blue dot. That's where we are. And so we're following along. Kelly's like, I think we need to stop. I'm like, no. We are going to follow the directions because I am a stubborn, stubborn man. And so we keep going. Another half hour goes by. Another half hour goes by. We're still driving. Like, what is going on? Following the blue dot. Kelly's talking to her mom. Mom's like, they're like taking dinner orders. Like, you've been to receptions before. You know how long that takes sometimes, right? They're taking dinner orders, right? Kelly's like, please stop and get directions. No, we are following the blue dot until we get there because I am a stubborn, stubborn man. And so we keep driving, right? And then... We get another phone call that, like, dinner is over, and uh, we're still driving. And then, my friends, I behold the sight that shows me things have gone horribly awry. And horror filled my soul because my wife blurted out, I'm pretty sure that's the Empire State Building. Now, you're not supposed to see that from Nassau County by the Suffolk line, okay? But I kept following that blue dot, and I didn't care because I was going to get where I thought we were supposed to go. And eventually, we did find our way to the wedding, and my in-laws are there guarding, like, our cold steak and potatoes and green beans because I am a stupid, stupid man. And so eventually, we made it, but we had to stop and figure out what had happened and what had gone wrong. Now, sometimes in life, we have to do the same thing. We have to kind of stop and reorient ourselves. The word reorient means this, to find one's position again in relation to one's surroundings. So sometimes we have to just stop and take an honest look at where we are and where God is, right? Because this is true like when you're driving, it's true in life, but it's definitely true in our relationship with Jesus. Sometimes we just have to stop and say, okay, where am I and where is God? Am I in his vicinity? Am I on the right path? Am I where I'm supposed to be in all of this? And so what we want to do here for a few weeks is kind of do exactly that. We want to kind of stop and reorient ourselves a little bit with Jesus and what he's called us to do and be. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to spend some time talking about our mission as a church for a couple of weeks, all right? And our mission as a church, if you've been around for a while, you remember this, is to help people center their lives around Jesus. That's why we're here. That's what we want every service to do. We want every community group to do. We want volunteering to make that possible. Everything we do, every message, every worship song, every time we hang out, we want it all to help you and I center our lives around Jesus. And so this is so important for every one of us because 
We have to revisit this once in a while, right? I mean, if you've been around for a while, like Dave here in the front row, he's heard me talk about this a lot. And you know what? It's important that we revisit it about once a year because somebody once made this great statement that vision leaks, right? So if I get up here and I'm like, yeah, here's our vision, guys. This is what we're going to do. and This is what we're about. And everyone's like, yeah, cool. That's a great vision. And it's like we go out and we start living our real lives and it's kind of like that vision leaks right out of us and we forget about it. So we want to come back and revisit this to reorient our lives around this idea of centering our lives around Jesus because sometimes we just kind of start to center our lives around other things, don't we? Like just natural life. Sometimes it's just because we got so busy. It's like, man, I, I didn't even realize it, but I've been centering my life around other things. Or maybe we just kind of got stuck in a sin cycle for a while. It's like, man, that pulled me way off the path that God had for me. Or maybe we went through something really difficult and that kind of pulled us away from God. We isolated ourselves a little bit. Or maybe we're just kind of feeling like we lack motivation. Like maybe some of you tonight would say, I love God and I kind of sort of feel close to him, but I don't feel that deep burning passion that I once had. And so tonight we want to revisit this. Another reason it's important for us as a church to revisit this is because a lot of you guys weren't with us that long ago, right? Some of you guys have only been coming for like a month or six months or maybe a year. And so it's important that we come back and we say, hey, this is what we're about. This is the bullseye. This is what we're aiming at. We need to reorient ourselves. So it's not like I just dusted off the series from a couple years ago and I'm going to re-preach it. This is all fresh material. But tonight, let's take a look, right? Some of us, I mean, this might even be important for many of us who've been around for a while who would say, okay, I kind of know where we're going to go for the next few weeks, but the question is, are we living this stuff, right? Like we might know this stuff, but are we living this stuff. And so we want to look tonight at one of these, and we're going to continue this on for a few weeks. And here's what's going to happen. Over the next several weeks, some of you guys, as we kind of reorient our lives to center, being centered around Jesus, some of you guys are going to have to make some little tweaks in your relationship with God, right? You're, you're, you're doing okay. You're kind of close. But yeah, I think God probably wants to tweak this. Then there's some of us here in the room tonight, if we're honest, we got to stop the car we got to get some directions at the gas station. That was old school, man. There was no, like, call your mom or, or find, you know, go on Google Maps. You'd get out, you'd drop a quarter in the, in the payphone, and you'd call somebody, where am I? And they're like, how should I know where you are, right? I can tell you where we need to go, maybe, but we need to get with God and be like, where am I? We need to turn the car around because we're headed toward the Empire State Building right now, and he's saying, head back the other direction. And so I don't know if you need a little tweak or if you need a complete turnaround. But in this series here, we want to reorient our lives around Jesus. And this is so important for us because we don't ever want to aimlessly follow Jesus, right? We don't ever want to just do church for the sake of doing church. Like here we are, it's Sunday, we sang some songs and we heard a message and we went home. No, we always want there to be purpose and vision behind all that we do. And so you might be asking the question, especially if you haven't been around for a while, what does it mean to center your life around Jesus? Well, it means to make him the center of everything you do. See, here's what a lot of us do, and I think we can all do this, especially those of us who have been Christians for a long time. We can kind of have this attitude like, well, here's where I'm going in life. Jesus, would you come with me? Like, Jesus, want to be a little part of this, be a little part of the ingredient? And Jesus is saying, how about you find out where I am and what I'm up to and make me the center and then follow me where I'm going? That's a really different scenario, isn't it? As some of us, as Christians, maybe some of us even in the room that have been around for a long time, it's like, wow, I remember when I started out, maybe when I first put my trust in Jesus, I was like, God, I'll do anything you want. I'll go anywhere you want. I, I, you're the center. You're everything. And maybe without realizing it, and this is why we have to reorient ourselves, we've just sort of drifted away where it's like, I'm going this way and I hope Jesus comes too. But we got to get back to that place where I love something that Moses said in the Bible. He said, God, if you're not going, I'm not going. 
I'm not going anywhere. Without, I'm not going to take a step in a direction without you. And so let's center our lives around Jesus again. Let's make it all about him again. Now the question then you might be thinking is, well, how do you do this? How do you center your life around Jesus? And that's what I want to look at for the next several weeks. This is so important for us to talk about, how we center our lives around Jesus. Um, If you're not a follower of Jesus, you might be thinking, well, why are these people centering their lives around Jesus? There's lots of good options out there. Like, why Jesus? And the reason why Jesus is because he is the only one who came for us. He's the one who put himself on the cross in our place. He's the one that rose back from the dead to rescue us. No one else did that for you. No one else did that for me. And so that's why Jesus is worth centering our lives around. So about a year ago, we did a one-part message on this idea of our mission and these steps. And we want to spend a few weeks so we can really get a little bit deeper. I especially felt strongly about two of them next week and the week after about really going for it those two weeks. So we're going to kind of talk about what does this look like? So years ago, our staff arrived at this mission. Okay, we want to help people center their lives around. We're like, but what does it look like to do that, right? So I could get up on the stage and say, okay, guys, we're going to be a church that helps you center your life around Jesus. And everyone's going to be like, great, that sounds very spiritual and very good. Let's do that. And then you leave and be like, how do I do that? And so we, we said, okay, what are characteristics of somebody that is centering their life around Jesus? Well, we came up with a few. Um, some of you guys might remember. Actually, I really hope you do. If you've been around in the past, I hope you remember these steps. Um, so the first one is this, learn and apply. Learn and apply. You see, we think that learning about God and applying what you know is so important for someone who's going to have their life centered around Jesus. The next one is that we experience God. Um, some of you guys might have never had that. Me, this is me growing up. I had a lot of knowledge in my head about God, but I didn't have a ton of experience, personal experience, where God answered a prayer, where God showed up in my life and made himself real to me. And so experiencing God is so important. The next one is worship, and we're going to talk about that in week three. And we're going to talk about doing that outside these walls, but also we're going to talk about how important that is inside these walls as well when we're together. Then the next one is connect, connecting with each other, that we're meant to do life with other people. And the last one is serve, that God wants us to use our gifts to serve others. Now, if you've been around for a while, you remember I made up a non-English, non-human word to help you remember. And do you guys remember what that word is? Anybody remember? Just yell it out. Wow, see, it worked. It is not a word. It is not a word in the English language. But learn, experience, worship, connect, serve. It's an acronym, right? For the first letter of each of these phrases here. Learn, experience, worship, connect, serve. And I'll pay you all later. Thank you, guys. Um, But the reason that I, I tried to just get that out there is so you will remember this. You see, we want the people that belong to this church to know what it looks like to have their lives centered around Jesus. We want the people of this church to be able to say, okay, not only do I, I kind of have a vague idea, but I know what it looks like to walk through these different sort of steps or have these keys in my life so that I'm, I can be sure I'm continuing to center my life around Jesus. Now, let me say something real quick before we really dig into this. Um, these steps don't save you, right? I don't want you to look at the screen and be like, okay, cool. So if I get these all down, then Jesus will love me. If I get these all down, then I'll be a Christian. No, see, Jesus makes us a Christian. Jesus saves us and rescues us. And then everything you see on the screen are what already saved people do to continue to keep their lives centered around Jesus. And it's all a response. I don't want you guys to think like, oh man, if I do this, then maybe God will wipe some of my sin and failures away. No, all this is a loving response. Jesus died for me, so I want to learn more about him and I want to apply what I I hear. Jesus died for me, so I want to experience him for myself, and so on and so forth. So let's jump into learn and apply. This is such a vital step to centering our lives around Jesus. This is so important, right? 
because we all need to keep learning more and more about God. Um, I already mentioned Dave here today, but Dave is a guy here in the front row, and this guy, when it comes to like knowing scripture and knowing his stuff, this guy's a beast. He's also a beast in human life if you just see him. Um, in fact, you could follow him on Instagram, devotions and deadlifts, or the other way around, and see you'll get some beast God stuff and some beast Dave stuff, man, scary stuff. He's like picking up all of Manhattan in there. I don't even know, but, but this guy's a beast mode, right? Now, he knows his stuff when it comes to scripture, but as much as he knows, he's going to continue to learn more and more about God, not only for the rest of his life, but for all eternity. Because God's just that big, okay? So the greatest theologian you can think of has just scratched the surface of what they know about God. And so learning more about God is so, so, so incredibly important. We're going to talk about why. The second part of this is that some of us, we really struggle to apply what we know. Some of us know so much about God. In fact, we live in a time where we have more access to information about God than ever before, right? I mean, I can go on my phone later tonight and I can listen to podcasts until I fall asleep and through the night and wake up tomorrow and just keep going. I can, I have, you know, several Bible apps on my phone, which I'm going to talk with you about later. I have how many Bibles in my house, how many online articles can I go on and read, books. I mean, we have so much access to knowledge, but I think where most of us struggle is in the applying what we have learned. And so it's so important. That's why we added that word apply, because it used to just be learn. But then we realize, man, we got to add apply. Because if we're not applying, then who cares what we've learned? So let's talk about this here tonight. If you're not a follower of Jesus, one of the reasons you don't like Christians, I'll just throw this out there, is because often they don't apply what they've learned. Isn't that true? Like if you're not a follower of Jesus here tonight, you're somebody dragged you here and you have a friend that came, so you followed him here. One of the reasons you don't like followers of Jesus is because you're like, they know all this stuff about God, but they don't look anything like God. They talk about this loving, amazing God, but I don't see a lot of like that application in their life. And so I hope what you're seeing tonight are some people who are saying, man, we want to get this right. We don't want to just have brains full of stuff about God. We want to have lives that are full of God himself. And so we're going to look in James tonight. And James was the brother of Jesus. And I love James. You know why I love James? Um, I, I told you earlier that I struggled with my faith for a while, and James struggled with his faith big time. He was the brother of Jesus, okay? And James did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah or the Savior of the world. He did not believe in him until, this is so important, until Jesus rose back from the dead, right? So, so James is doubting Jesus, doubting Jesus, and then Jesus shows up on the other side of the cross alive and well, and he goes and finds James, and he goes, how you like me now, bro, Right? <laughs> And James goes, I think I'm in. I think uh, this is worth my life, right? I'd probably know nothing like that. But, but on the other side of the resurrection, we find a very different James. Suddenly convinced that Jesus is actually God because he's seen a risen Savior alive and well. So James 1, verse 22, James kind of tackles this issue that we could struggle with so easily. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. So we hear in this opening verse, we find out how important learning is and how important applying is. Both are so important. We can't have one without the other. But I love it. It's just such a challenge. Hey, learn, but then do what it says. How many of you guys know somebody who their whole life talks about getting in great shape and they never get in great shape? Anybody know? I have a really good friend, very dear friend, who has, this is him, 
His whole life, I've known this guy since we were teenagers, and his whole life he has bought and purchased different exercise programs and exercise videos and exercise books and manuals and cookbooks, and he's not in shape, not even close. And so he has gone through his whole life buying all the gimmicks. He, he's probably gotten things like this. Check this out. He's got, you know, the vibro belt. I think that's coming up, you know. This one where you just strap it to your stomach while you sleep and you wake up looking like Channing Tatum. I don't think so. Right? I don't think it works like that. I so wish it did, but I don't think that works. Also, we have here the dumbbell utensils, um, which apparently you think, hey, man, yeah, man, this will work. I got some weights attached to my fork. Um, well, I think if said utensils are picking up things like sausages and Oreos, who puts those together, right? Like who, 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 who designed that plate, right? I don't think it's going to work so well. So there's definitely a dumbbell involved that just has nothing to do with the utensils here, right? And so he has given, you know, like researched all the gimmicks, all the ways to lose weight. But what is the problem? It is not a knowledge problem. He knows what to do. He knows how to lose weight. He knows how to exercise. I've been in the same room with him and a weight bench. I've been in the same room with him and an exercise bike but he's never applied what he knows. And that can so often be the problem that you and I have. So we need to be people who are learning and applying. Verse 23, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now this verse is interesting. What it doesn't mean is that you and I go and look in the mirror and then we walk away and I'm like, I can't, even picture my own face. Like that's not like this philosophical, strange matrix thing, okay? What it does mean is to look in the face. So you rolled out of bed this morning. My alarm went off way too early this morning. I woke up, rolled out of bed, look in the mirror. And when you and I look in the mirror, we begin to notice some things, don't we? We begin to notice like, dang, got some dry skin here. Oh man, it broke out there. Got some crusties on my eyes here. And, and what James is trying to drive at is sometimes it would be like looking in a mirror, noticing all the mess that my face is, and then walking away doing nothing to fix it and forgetting what I looked like. You ever been scared when you look in the, in the mirror? You wake up, you're like, whoa. You know what always gets me? When I, when I take my phone out to take a picture of my kids quick and that, that the lens is pointed back at me, I hate that. I'm like, yeah, you know, because it's all like zoomed in. You're like, oof, that is bad. But sometimes you and I look in the mirror, so to speak, and forget what we look like. And so James here is equating the mirror with the Bible. He's saying, hey, don't look into the Bible. See, the Bible kind of acts like a mirror when we read it. What do we discover? Some things in our lives that need to be addressed, right? Some things in our lives that need to be changed. And James says, hey, don't look in the mirror. Don't look in God's word. Read it. Realize, oh man, there's some issue in my life. And then not apply what needs to be applied to fix it. It says, learn and apply. Verse 25. So he's told us what not to do. And then he says this. He contrasts it. And we're going to kind of take our, our time getting through this. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. Now, that's an awkward place to stop, but I want to stop there, and we're going to continue that sentence. So James just told us what not to do, and then he says, but if instead of ignoring what you see, if you'll look intently into the law that brings freedom, then he's going to tell us what the outcome will be, and we'll get there in a minute. But I want to stop here because I want to focus on that word intently for a minute. You see, I think this is one of our problems when it comes to learning. Learning. 
right? James tells us you've got to look intently into the perfect law that brings freedom. Now, what does that mean, the perfect law that, that gives freedom? Well, it's talking about what Jesus has done for us, right? The law that brought death was the law that Moses gave. The law that brings life is the law that Jesus brought. The law of forgiveness, the law of salvation and grace by him alone. And so James is saying, hey, look into the word. Look into the gospel. Look into what Jesus has done for you. But I love that word, intently. It's so, so, so incredibly important that we talk about that word for a minute. Intently means with earnest and eager attention. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask yourself this question. And I'm going to ask myself. Do I earnestly and eagerly spend time in God's word with intent? Do I look at his word hungry to hear from him? Do I come to church hungry to hear from God? Now, here's not my goal tonight. My goal is not to make you feel bad. My goal is not to make you go, man, I haven't picked up a Bible in a year. I haven't picked up a Bible all week. I haven't picked up a Bible in six months. That's not my goal. My goal is you're going to see in just a few minutes is to get you to see how much God loves you and what an amazing invitation it is to open up his word. But here, let's talk about this word intently. You see, here's a question. If there was a message for God, from God for you, what would you do to find it? If there was a message from God for you, what would you be willing to do to find that message. The truth is there is a message for God for you. Message from God for me every single day. I have the opportunity to open up God's word every single day and get a message from his word. And you know what's really cool is that God speaks to us through his word in different ways. So you might read the same verse I read, but because of what you're going through, God will speak to you in a different way than he'll speak to me. It's not that we take the text out of its context or we twist its meaning. It's just because of what I'm going through It's tailor-made for my situation, and it's going to bring life to me from my situation. And you might be going through something else. You might be suffering from severe anxiety, and I read the same verse you read. It brings you great peace. You might be suffering. You just went through a breakup. You just had your heart ripped out. You read the same verse that I read. It starts to put your heart back together. A tailor-made message for you in the Word of God every single day, every time you come to church. Not because I get up here and I'm some great communicator. I'm not. But you have an opportunity to hear God's Word. Do we come intently? Do we come eager, excited to learn what His Word says to us? Do you guys open up the Bible daily, excited to learn from what God's word might want to tell you. And this is something that we want you to not only be learning here, we want you to be learning on your own. And so we have a Bible for you out on the bookshelf between the front of the lobby and the cafe. Grab a Bible. I encourage you guys, I try to remind you guys this several times a year. Download the YouVersion Bible app. Y-O-U and then the word version, right? Download that on any app store. And what's so cool is, I told you guys this a few months ago, we can be friends now. I know that's great motivation to download this. We can be friends now on the YouVersion Bible app. And, and the reason that's cool is because now I get to see what you're doing and you get to see what I'm doing. And there's been so many awesome times where I'll wake up in the morning, man, and the first thing I do every morning is I open up that YouVersion Bible app and I'm still laying in bed and that's the first thing I want to do. 
And so I open it up and I get to see like so-and-so was here reading this. So-and-so was there reading that. So-and-so just read this Bible plan. Now you can set it up to not share with your friends what you want. You know, maybe you don't want them to see something that you're reading through. You know, like, I don't want Doug to see this article I'm reading. What what to do when I hate my pastor. Um, You know, so you can hide that from me. That's okay. But whatever you want to kind of broadcast out and not in a prideful way, like, look what I just did. But, But like, hey, this is encouraging. It encourages me to see you guys. Some of you guys are going through stuff on version about like basic understanding of the Hebrew language and how that interacts with scripture and the Greek language and how, I mean, that is so cool. That inspires me. You can see the verses that I highlight when I first wake up and I'm reading and I hope that encourages and challenges you. We should be learners for the rest of our lives, digging in on our own, looking intently. Some of us need to to go over to the BibleStudyTools.com. Write that down, BibleStudyTools.com. So you can be reading some scripture, and then there's these great commentators down below, like these brilliant scholars. You can go deep, man. You'll be in there for days reading through all the commentators. You can look at an interlinear Bible, which has the Greek word, and then the English word, or the Hebrew word, and then the English word. You can check out some really cool stuff. Guys, we need to continue to be learners. And and here's how I want to encourage you. I think one of the big reasons that we don't read the Bible, okay, is because as we read it, once in a while, we come across something that we don't understand or it trips us up a little bit or we kind of have an objection to it. And then that objection kind of becomes a wall between us and God's word for a season. It's like, I don't get that. Why? If God's loving, why would he have allowed that? And instead of intently and eagerly looking for the answer, we just go, forget this for now. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. Find the answer. For every objection there is about something in the Bible, there is a valid answer. And sometimes we just have to do our homework. Sometimes it's as simple as being on BibleStudyTools.com and you go down and you find a guy named Matthew Henry, okay? Matthew Henry's commentary. And you read through this for like the next seven hours on like one verse. It's like 1A. And you go through and Matthew Henry unpacks this whole background and context of why this was written and when it was written. And there you are going, oh my gosh, he just answered my, answered my objection. He, he just helped me get what I've stumbled over for maybe years and that's why I haven't been opening up the Bible. See, we have to be willing to do our Do some work. Why? Because there's a message from God for us. Not because we should. Because there's a message from God for you and for me. He wants to communicate with you and with me. And so sometimes we have to figure out the context, right? The book was written 2,000 years ago. Sometimes we have to figure out the context it was written in. Sometimes we have to figure out and do our homework and say, okay, why is this phrase this way? And what does that mean? Maybe it's different. Can you imagine if someone found a letter written from me to my staff 2,000 years from now? 4,016, right? Somebody finds a letter. A few weeks ago or a few months ago, my family and I went on vacation. Let's just say I wrote a letter when I got back and I, and I wrote everybody, the staff. Joey, Andrew, Pastor. Guys, thank you so much for the time off. It was great. And, and, and Pastor and Andrew, I just want to encourage you guys. You guys killed your messages. You guys destroyed your messages when you spoke, man. You guys just nailed it. And Joey, man, your youth ministry is lit, bro. It is fire. And your children's ministry is sick, man. Right? Can you imagine the year 4016, the people reading that would think I'm tearing my staff apart. They destroyed the messages. They killed them. This youth pastor, like, lit his youth group on fire. And the children's ministry is sick. Awesome. Like, why would anyone send their kids there, Right? Do the context. Do the homework. Some of you guys are like, I'm here in 2016. I didn't understand half of what you just said, Doug. But do the homework to be able to say, oh, okay, maybe what they meant 
is different than what I understand. Guys, there is a message from God for you. Every time we get together, ladies at Deeper, youth group kids at the green room, every time we get together, God's wanting to speak. God's wanting us to learn. Let's go on. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. Now, this is really important because I want to talk about why we kind of do what we do when it comes to our messages here, okay? This verse and verses like it are the reason that we as communicators don't do like 22-part messages. We don't do 22-point sermons for you. Why? Because we want you to remember, not forget what you've heard because we believe when you remember what you've heard, you'll do it. You'll follow through. Right? And so we don't want you to apply 22 things to your life this week. No one can do that. We want you to apply one thing. This is why we don't do, um, you know, verse by verse studies of like the book of Revelation. You know, when I was a kid, my pastor did that. And, and I'm not joking. I'm not poking fun. He was a great teacher. He literally spent five years and went through the book of Revelation verse by verse. And you know what? Some of you guys may love that and eat that up. But from what we understand, and, and this is no knock on him, and, and God called him to do something maybe different than he called me to do, but, but our heart is not that we go through verse by verse to try to figure out when Jesus back, comes back, but, but we try to be a church who's ready for him to come back. And we believe the best way you can do that is for you to come in and to learn something and to remember it and to walk out and apply it. Especially in an age where we have so much access to information and biblical knowledge. And so if you're like ready to go tear into the revelation, go for it. But when we're here together, we want to make sure everyone in the room, so that means people who've been followers of Jesus for like longer than I've been alive, literally, to people who aren't even sure if they're willing to trust a guy named Jesus, can walk out and go, okay, I know what to do with this. And so that's our heart here. We want you to learn. We want you to apply. Jesus, when he talks about a disciple, a disciple he, he, you know, hey, I want to make disciples. I want you to go make disciples, all that good stuff. A disciple was somebody that information was passed along to, but it was more than that. They weren't just disciples. They were adherents. Let's, let's look at this word adherent. It means to believe in and follow the practices of. And so it's one thing to believe in something or learn something. It's another thing to actually follow the practices of. Look at this quote about the first century. In Jewish culture, in the first century, boys would be taught by their father or by a teacher until the age of 13. After that, he might seek out more training to study as a disciple under a certain scholar. Listen to this next line. Imitating the teacher's life, inculcating his values, and reproducing his teachings. For the Jewish boy over 13, this meant going to study with a recognized Torah scholar. Listen, imitating his life and faith and concentrating on mastering the Mosaic law as well as the traditional interpretations of it. There's this beautiful balance of learn and apply. Passing out of information, yes, you should be learning here in our services. If you're not, there's a problem. You should be learning on your own time. But we've got to be taking what we learn and apply it. Okay, let's finish off verse 25 now. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it. Listen, this is the why they will be blessed in what they do. James does not say, Guys, look into God's perfect law of freedom. Get in his word and do what it says because you should. Now, we all should. 
He doesn't say do it because it's right. Now it is right. But he says, God is so good to you and me that he gave us his word so we'd be blessed. Right? So often I think we, we think I got to be in his word because that's what Christians do. I got to be in his word so God doesn't get mad at me. What if it's be in his word because there is an amazing loving God desiring to communicate with you and I and breathe life into our very souls and bless us through his word on a daily basis. That is the heart of God for you and me. That's the invitation that we have. Well, how are we blessed, Doug? How are we blessed by opening up God's word, getting it in our hearts, and then applying it? I'll give you a couple of examples, right? When you open up God's word, you discover who God is. That means you discover there's a creator. You know what that means for you? You have purpose. You're on purpose. There's a plan. You also discover there's a savior. So the brokenness in your life and my life, somebody took care of that. So you discover who God is. You also discover who you are. Loved, redeemed, forgiven, valued. You know what else you discover? Some practical things about how to live life. If I look in God's word and then apply to my life, do you know what's going to happen? My marriage is going to be different. The way I relate with my children is going to be different. The way I interact with you is going to be different. My level and capacity to forgive and love people who hate me is going to be different. The way I respect others is going to be different. It has to be. Some of you guys know I always quote this guy, John Contest, a good friend. And he was once in a counseling session. And he was kind of just watching this other pastor counsel this couple. And the couple was really kind of going back and forth. The husband's saying why he's right. The, the wife's saying why she's right. And the, the counselor just stopped them both. And, and he looked at the husband. He said, how is your relationship with God? And the guy said, not very good. And then he looked at the wife. And he said, how's your relationship with God? She said, not very good. He said, that's where we start. Because if I'm in God's word every single day and I'm close to him and I'm centering my life around him, there's going to be ups and downs in marriage. There's going to be good days and bad days. There's going to be times we still argue and fight. But I'm going to learn how to argue and fight well. I'm going to learn how to respect my wife in the midst of disagreement. I'm going to learn how to honor her even when we're not seeing eye to eye. And so we're talking about a completely different take. So there's practical wisdom. I was talking with my friend Lee a couple weeks ago and we were saying even if you didn't believe in God, but you opened up the Bible and applied it to your life, it would lead you to some pretty awesome places because of the practical wisdom that you find as you open up God's word. And so God's heart is to bless you. Find out who he is. You find out who you are and you find out the way God's designed us to live. There are places of joy and places of peace that come from living God's way that you just can't find anywhere else. Last week, I spoke at a, a men's retreat for another church, and I met this awesome guy named Will. And Will's been a Christian since February, and he's probably in his mid to late 20s. And Will, you can just see, is ready to go change the world. You can just see that the Will from the beginning of February to the Will that's happened, that, that we're, I was experiencing just this past weekend, are two very different people. And the reason is because he surrendered his life to Jesus, and he said, I want to do things your way. I want to center my life around you. I want to be in your word, and I want to apply it to my life. And it just makes all the difference in the world. And so, no, my heart tonight is not to make you feel bad. My heart tonight is to say, let's stop settling. There is a message from God for you every day. There is an opportunity for you and I to hunt through some of the things maybe we don't understand, hunt through some things that confuse us or, or maybe some, some objections we might have and to find the answers to those objections and to have the message that God wants to speak to us every single day, every single Sunday. 
For those of you that come Friday night to the youth group, every single Friday. For those of you that come to Deeper, every single time we gather. And so my, my takeaway for you tonight is just learn and apply. Learn and apply. Be learners. Maybe that's the reorient step for you. Are you struggling to learn? Hasn't been a year since you opened up your Bible. Hasn't been a year. Hasn't been a month. Hasn't been a week since you last looked into God's word intently. And so maybe some of us need to make that, that major adjustment. But maybe it's just a minor adjustment for some of us. Maybe we're like, no, I spend time with God every day. But maybe it's like, all right, I want to look intently though. I want to look eagerly. I want to wake up tomorrow morning or, or whatever you do your, your time with God. Maybe it's late at night or on a, a work break or lunch hour. I'm going to go to that ready to learn more about God. And what I see in there, I'm going to apply. And So maybe you need to make an apply adjustment. Is that some of you? Do you have great biblical knowledge, but it's kind of like it's not ever getting applied to your life? You own all the workout videos, but you've never actually exercised? And so maybe we kind of all own the Bibles. I actually have a friend who collects Bibles, Right? Like, it's like we own all these museum of Bibles. We have all these apps. Have we ever exercised what the Bible's telling us to do and to be? And so what do you need to do? Do you need to download that app? Do you need to head over to BibleStudyTools.com? Do you need to take a Bible tonight? Do you need to just reorient your life around God's word? Because if we do, we will be blessed in what we do. Life won't be perfect. Life's difficult. Life's hard. But you'll have a message from God every day of your life. And I want that, and I need that, and I crave that, because apart from him, what hope do I have? Now, some of you guys might be saying, okay, Doug, I've kind of made the learn and apply step before, you know? Like, I've done this before. Maybe, Doug, I've I've been around. I've heard you talk about this before. Well, here's what I want to remind you of, okay? Remember, we've talked about this before, that the beautiful thing about this process is, Noel, if you could just throw that graphic up, is, is it's circular, right? It's not like a staircase. Like, some of us are thinking, okay, so I start with learn and apply, cool, and I kind of climb the staircase, and then I go to experience, then I go to worship, and I just keep climbing. And then once I get to serve, I've, like, arrived as a Christian, and I can kind of just relax a little bit. And then, no, the beautiful thing about this is that it's circular, which means for the rest of our lives and for the rest of all eternity, This is what it looks like. Learn and apply. Experience more of God. Worship him because of who he is. Connect with others who are going down the same road I am and serve with the giftings God's given me. We just keep going. That's what it looks like to center our lives around Jesus. It's all a response to who he is and what he's done for us. And there is nothing and no one on this earth that's more worthy to be at the center of your life and mine than Jesus. Let's pray. So God, we thank you so much that it's your heart that we be constant learners, that we continue to just grow in our knowledge of you. But God, that we also apply it, that we don't just let it be something that's in our head, but it's something that transforms our heart. And so would you help us with this? If you're a follower of Jesus and you need to make a learn tweak here, that's your reorient step for tonight. I want you to pray and think about what that looks like. If you need to make an apply step, I want you to think about what that looks like. Maybe God put something on your heart a long time ago and you've had the knowledge and the know-how to do it, but you just have never taken that step to actually apply what you know. It's time to start pleading, pleading with God. God, give me the grace, the boldness, the strength, the empowerment to make that step I've known you've wanted to, me, to make for a really long time. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope you've heard tonight what an amazing God we have, a God that wants to communicate with us, a God who communicated with us already through his son dying on the cross in our place. And he has a message for you every day. 
He wants to speak to you every day. And if you want to begin a relationship with him tonight, then I would encourage you to just quietly pray something like this. And this prayer doesn't save you, but it's a way to start a conversation with a God who wants to have a relationship with you. Maybe you could just quietly say, Jesus, please forgive me for my sin. Thank you so much for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for loving me so much. Thank you for giving me this gift of salvation that I do not deserve. God, would you show me how real you are? And would you help me, God, spend the rest of my life centering myself around 